few weeks ago, I, um, so my wife and I, we attend uh, the Friday night Bible study in Medford, and we're going to the book of Matthew. And a few weeks ago, uh, Dave Kim was uh, teaching on Matthew 8. And um, as a group, we were chewing through those verses together. And um, there's a verse that stuck out that really just, it stuck, it just popped out, of, uh, popped out of the page and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And my mind started connecting other verses to it. And that verse is, Ma- is Jesus's words in Matthew 8, verses 26, verse 26 rather. And Jesus, and we'll go over the, the whole account. I'll put, I'll give it context uh, in a minute. But Jesus says um, to his disciples, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And oh, you of little faith is that's what's fearful, and oh, you of little faith really stood out. And um, as I said, my mind started to do this whirlwind. And I, I know that um, Jesus also says this again, and I know that he says it to Peter. And I started to think, where is that? And I turned a few pages down uh, in Matthew, and uh, Jesus once again, he says in Matthew 14, he says, uh, you don't have to turn there. We'll be discussing this in detail uh, in a little bit later. But in Matthew 14, verses uh, 27, Jesus says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Uh, and then he further a few verses down, he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So we see once again this, this uh, connection between fear and little faith. And uh, that led me to think about, okay, Lord, this is, there's two storms here, two instances of little faith. And what is it like to, like, what would have happened if things went wrong? Because we know that things do go wrong. Um, we know that uh, ships do crash. We know that accidents do happen. We know, um, I think about Paul, the Apostle Paul, and that's what I thought about when I was thinking this question. So what happened to Paul when he uh, when he crashed uh, in, uh, in on Malta in Acts at the end of Acts, I mean he broke bread, and we'll discuss that godly later. He he broke bread and he started eating on the boat, and he had this this uh, this confidence in God, telling him that he's going to go back to Rome. So he had this confidence in God's word that it was going to be completed. So he knew that even if the shipwrecked. He knew that God's word would stand true. And I knew that right then in my mind, I, I connected that with faith. So there's a couple stories about faith. And uh, before we dive in and really look at those passages, I want to discuss what faith is. And I want to ask you to think about it. What is faith? Um, the Bible says, without it, it's impossible to please God. Uh, Hebrews eleven six says that. The Bible also says that by grace, you have been saved through it, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we see that without it, it's impossible to please God. We see um, that it, 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 and through itself, faith itself is a gift from God. And then we also see that in the first letter to the church of Corinth, in 1 Corinthians twelve eight, uh, when Paul is speaking of the different gifts, uh, the Holy, Holy Spirit says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit. And he goes on to name various gifts, but we see that 
it is a gift from God. We see that it is impossible uh, to please God without it. And uh, just to use a couple more verses to kind of solidify this, uh, in the book of Romans, in Romans 12, 3, the apostle says, uh, for by grace, but for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So once again, we see that faith is a gift. It's given to us from God, uh, and it's given to us from God to please God. Now, you may be saying, Jordan, this is great, but you didn't actually give me a definition of what faith is. Uh, and you're right. Um, in fact, it, in the Bible uh, gives, I, I can only look and find one definition of faith in the Bible, like a clear definition, and it's a 14-word 14, 14 definition uh, in the book of Hebrews. So it's going to be Hebrews chapter 1, and it says, Faith is the assurance or confidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Holy Spirit then goes on to highlight after that verse, he, the Holy Spirit goes on to highlight 18 different men and women who have exhibited or lived out faith throughout the Bible uh, in what is commonly known as the Hall of Faith chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, to read a few of those, and by the way, this is once again, and you have to uh, stick with me here. Uh, but I'm just painting this, uh, hopefully creating a foundation of tonight's teaching on what faith is uh, and how uh, how does one go from uh, lack of faith or no faith to the faith that it takes to sit and eat during a storm when the, when, when, the, when winds are crashing and the boat is going to crash. So uh, Hebrews 11.8, just highlighting a few examples of those who have exhibited faith throughout the Bible. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And as he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I was in a, a service this past weekend uh, with my in-laws, and the, the pastor went over this verse, and he said, underline it, underline whose designer and builder is God. And I would do that if I were you. Uh, we are looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Uh, another example of faith uh, is 11, in Hebrews is 11, verse 20. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. Uh, Eleven twenty-two says, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. Uh, another one says, in eleven twenty-four, it says, uh, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So after listing these men and women, the Holy Spirit then pens some of my, 
my favorite verses in uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. And he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder or author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I know that I just gave you uh, over a dozen verses from five different books uh, in the Bible as an introduction to, to tonight's teaching on faith. Um, but I truly, it is truly impossible to explain faith without the word of God. Um, I have heard it said that there are no extraordinary men and women. There are only those who have determined to believe the word of an extraordinary God. And I just, I'll repeat that because it, and I agree with this pastor that said this, there's these 18 people, they're, they're not extraordinary in and through themselves. Uh, however, there, uh, they have, there were those who have determined to believe the word of God, the word of an extraordinary God. And that faith that that's why their name is in the hall of faith, because they were able to build off of the word of God. They trusted the word of God. They knew that they, that God was not going to uh, defer on his word or fall back on his word. So as we uh, dive into three different storms mentioned in the Bible tonight. Uh, the first being in Matthew 8 with the disciples. The second being in Matthew 14, discussing Peter walking on water during a storm. Uh, and the third being Paul, who was able to sit down and break bread during a storm. Uh, we're, I want you to uh, consider these things. Consider how the Word of God was used in relation to how much faith one was showing or displaying or what, how much faith one had in that story we read. Okay, so with that being said, let's, uh, let's turn to our first passage. Uh, it's going to be Matthew 8, verse 23 through 27. All right. So the Word of God says, now, when he, Jesus, got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. This is uh, eight verse 20, Matthew 8, verse 25. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? One account says, uh, how is it that you still have no faith? I believe that's a parallel account in Luke. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and sea obey him? Uh, so that, that why are you fearful? Uh, like I said, in the parallel account, Mark says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? In Luke, it says, where is your faith? And I, I just want to remind you where, where we are and where Matthew is in, in writing and what he just explained the disciples have experienced and seen. 
Um, the disciples clearly trusted Jesus enough to follow him into this boat. Uh, these men were fishermen. I believe that they were probably aware that a storm was coming. Uh, at least some of them, these, uh, these men did this for a living. Uh, and not only that, they, these men watched Jesus. They watched him heal Jews. They watched him heal non-Jews. They, uh, they experienced and watched him heal men and women. And they listened to the greatest sermon ever given by a human when Jesus was in flesh, by Jesus himself on the, the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, where he gave a parable. I mean, they just heard this not too uh, far before this. They just heard Jesus give this par- the Sermon of uh, a parable of two builders. Uh, and Jesus explained how uh, one builder built his house on a rock. Jesus calling himself that rock. And, and one who did not build his house on that rock. And Jesus then says, whoever, and this is in Matthew uh, 7, I believe. And, um, and then Jesus uh, says, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The, this is all true. The disciples, they, they, they heard this, they saw this man. Um, and while this is true, they were not aware that this was uh, the same God, Jesus. This was the same God. They were in the boat with this. Uh, this was the God that the psalmist, rather, was speaking of when they penned Psalm 107, saying, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep, for he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. Then the psalmist says, he calms the storm so that its waves are still. See, the disciples knew, they knew of a Jesus who was a, a good man. They knew of a Jesus who was a great teacher. They, they knew a, a Jesus who was a good physician who healed the sick. I mean, he did miracles. But they did not know the Jesus who the winds and sea obey. They didn't know this Jesus. And you can see the reaction after he did this. So in verse 27 of chapter 8, it says, So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be? Who are we in the presence of? Saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Uh, what happened was they, they, they didn't know, not knowing this Jesus, even though Jesus's words were probably prevalent and very close to, to them as they uh, just got in the boat from seeing Jesus heal another, um, Peter's mother-in-law, and they, they are experiencing all of these miracles. They, they, they knew of a great Jesus, but what happened? Uh, what happened? What uh, what got in the way of them understanding who this Jesus was and being so afraid when they hopped in the boat uh, with Jesus sleeping. Um, I would argue that uh, they quickly allowed fear to seep in and do what fear does. Um, they allowed fear uh, to overshadow their faith in who they knew Christ was. And uh, I would argue, in fact, that Fear is the foe of it. Fear is the enemy of faith. I believe that's why it is the number one repeated command in the Bible, that being do not fear or fear not. 
Um, and what? And if you look, what does Jesus tell them to do? He says, "Why are you fearful, O you of little faith?" He he says that um, he doesn't tell them to have uh, more faith. He just says, "Why are you fearful, O you of little faith?" And I I really uh, I can't stress enough the. Uh, the danger of allowing fear into our lives as Christians, as believers. Um, we, we read earlier, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God understands that fear is going to weed out or try to weed out the faith that we have in Christ. The faith, and meaning the understanding of, uh, understanding and trusting uh, our ability to trust God's word for God and God's word for who he is. One pastor puts it like this. We sin because we are afraid or fearful that God is not going to do what we want him to do or what he said he was going to do. And I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, when, sin, uh, when sin comes in, when fear comes in, rather, fear births this untrust, this compromising of our faith because we think that we must take uh, take the, the gears, take the reins from a God who knows what he is doing. We feel like we must take the reins from a God who has promised us over and over and over again that he knows what he's doing. And uh, I think this quote is uh, so powerful, and I, I'm just going to read it one more time. We sin, sin, we sin because sin being we uh, disobey God, um, we sin because we are afraid or fearful that God is not going to do what we want him to do or what he said he was going to do. They're sleeping. They're, they thought Jesus should probably be up uh, paddling with us, right? They, they probably weren't thinking Jesus is going to calm this storm. He's like, they're, you know, they're, they're in their mind. I can imagine them thinking Jesus is not carrying his weight. God is not doing what God said he was going to do. He, we followed him in this boat and he's no longer here. He's sleeping during all of this, and then just not understanding that this is the God who wins in the sea obey. And God is so God is so merciful that even after understanding, I mean, they I think their eyes are beginning to open Jesus's uh, Jesus for who He really is, and that being not just a good man, not just a person they uh, worthy of following and imitating, but a person that uh, they have to listen to His commands because He is God Himself. And I, that that picture, that right there, I think is uh, where I want to transition into Matthew 14 and see Jesus, how he addresses another storm. He, how he places another storm into these disciples' lives, knowing that he gave them, he is the author and perfecter of their faith. He, if we think about faith being a gift from God, from himself, he knows how much faith these men have. And I think that's why he's saying, oh, you of little faith, where is your faith? How is it that you still aren't exhibiting faith? He understands how much faith he gave these men and, and women that were probably on other boats around as well. He understood how much faith he gave them. And, and he's trying to explain to them, you, why do you fear? How, like, how, he literally says, why do you fear? So with that, let's transition into Matthew 14, because I love this. Um, I love, I am a fan of Peter's. Um, Peter is a man who has 
who constantly had a split in his mouth, I can, uh, I can, uh, I can uh, understand that. I could definitely relate to that. Uh, but if you don't mind turning to Matthew 14, we're going to be reading 22 through 33, and we're going to be reading about another storm that Jesus brings his disciples into. So Matthew 14, 22 says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous and he was, uh, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Oh Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Jesus, this is a different, if you think about this in comparison to uh, the first passage we read in Matthew, there are some stark differences. Um, one, Jesus wasn't in the boat this time. Jesus sent them out. Jesus commanded them to go to the other side. He commanded them to do something. Um, so they got in the boat. They, did, they weren't following. They were taking orders now from Christ, in which they did in the past, but this is a clear go out in the boat and go. Once again, I, you need to be reminded, uh, or I think I should remind you that um, these are fishermen. I believe that uh, they probably can tell when a storm is coming, when a storm is coming, and for Jesus to tell them to go out in a storm, they said, okay, Lord, that's okay. Jesus, that's what you want me to do. That's what you want me to do. But what happened? Immediately the wind came, and when Jesus was walking, walking, he didn't run towards them. He walked like as he always does, walked up to them, and they were terrified, uh, thinking it was a ghost. So they clearly thought ghosts existed at the time. So thinking it was a ghost, they, uh, they were terrified, and Jesus does what to them? He commands them not to be afraid. He, well, he tells them not to be afraid. And with that understanding, Peter probably remembered you know, uh, probably within a year ago when Jesus told him not to be afraid, oh, you of little faith, and he saw Jesus command the sea and the winds to obey him. He, he saw the, them listen to him. And so Jesus, rather with Peter, with that understanding of who Christ is, told him to what? He said, Lord, in verse 28, he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. One can ask, why did Peter say, command me to do this? Right? Why did Peter need the word of God? Uh, why did Peter need the word of God to take that step? Right? I would argue that because without it, 
Peter, uh, Peter understood that he couldn't just, uh, there was no authority in and through himself. He needed to be, he needed the waters and the sea to be commanded by God. And that if this is, uh, if this is really Jesus, who he uh, knew that uh, was God by this time, I truly believe that Peter was, uh, he had this understanding right around this time that if this is Jesus, this is my God, he can, I can do what he's doing. He can tell that all he has to do is command me to do it and I can do it. His faith was directly, Peter's faith to walk in the water was directly tied to the words of Jesus, the word of God. The promises that, the promises that are in here or the, 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 the commands that are in here. Um, so Peter did just that. What did he do? He began to walk on the water in verse 29. But what happened? Peter started to look around and consider his, uh, Peter started to look around and consider where, what he was doing. He started to look at the situation. He started to look at um, what was going on. And verse 30 says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he started to look at the circumstances that he was in. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. He was fearful. He looked at Peter, took his eyes off of God, off of God's word, off of what Jesus said. He then started to allow fear to, in, to uh, come in and seep in because he started to look at his circumstances without the powerful God. He, Peter, these circumstances did not change. This wasn't crazier water. This, this, the Bible doesn't say that the waters got crazier and Peter began to sink. No, it says Peter just realized that the miracle, what he was doing, and he saw the circumstances, and he started to think about, man, I'm not able to do this. How am I walking? He took his eyes off of Christ. Waters are crazy. Oh, my goodness. As I would as well. I think as many people would, but he took his eyes off of his Savior. He took his eyes off of God, and he began to drown. And how true is that to us for us today? When we are going through a storm, we're going through, and Jesus says, I want to walk with you. Come out and walk on this storm with me. Walk in this storm with me. I am here. And all we need to do is say, Jesus, call, if that is you, if you are in this storm, call me, call me to come to you and let me walk through this with you. But even when we're doing that, if we can get out the boat, Pastor Steve had an incredible, I think it was Pastor Steve that gave this incredible message about getting out of the boat and starting to walk on the water. That took a significant amount of faith in who Christ was. And, and Christ as God and having the ability to do things that to defy, uh, defy uh, gravity and defy, um, yeah, defy gravity, um, physics. And it, it took a lot of faith to understand, to, to trust God. Uh, and, uh, Peter had that he put Jesus in his rightful place and he was able to do great things during this storm. But during the same storm, during the same time walking with Jesus, he took his eyes off of Christ and failed. He started to sink and sink, and he almost, like he was, it literally says, um, he began to sink and cried out in verse 30. Um, Jesus did what Jesus does. Peter was able to turn his eyes back to Christ, and Jesus does what Jesus does. Jesus did what Jesus does and reached out his hand and saved him. There is such a deep difference between Peter in the first and Peter in the second. And there's a deep difference between those who follow Jesus because he is a good man 
because he's a good teacher, because it is, you know, the, they might think it's the right thing to do. But there's also, there's a deep difference between that person and the person who knows Jesus as God, who knows that Jesus has no limitations, who knows that Jesus can, uh, is commander in chief of our lives, not, uh, you know, we are honoring our president, but Jesus is the commander in chief. Right? He is the one who commands the seas uh, to cease, the storms of life that we go through every day, the, the storms of COVID, of being inside of a a pandemic for a year now. Uh, Jesus is walking on the water in the storm and all he is requiring is for us, for, the, for us to look at him and just say, Lord, command me to come to you. Allow me to walk with you in this storm. We know that, I know that you can command these waves to cease no matter what the storm is. And that is exactly what Paul the transition that Paul, I can't think of another, a better story than Paul. Um, and Paul's uh, example of what this looked like, Paul was given in Acts 27, and you can turn with me there. Paul was, Paul was told by God that he was going to go to Rome. God was very clear with him. Uh, Paul knew that this was, that was God's voice, that that was God's word for him, that God commanded, God said it, so it was going to be done. So when they were, when Paul was on a storm in Acts 27, just a few books to your right. Second here. So. In verse 25 of Acts 27, the, uh, there's a storm going on right now. Actually, let's start in verse 14 of Acts 27. It says, but not long after, a tempest had wind arose called uh, Eurosildon. Uh, Forgive me for mispronouncing that. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And, and running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run around the Sardis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. So they're tossing things off the ship because the storm is going so crazy. On the third day, we threw, now the ship is three days long. On the third day in verse 19, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. And if you've been in uh, any nor'easter, you know that, especially uh, when uh, the the Christmas star, they said, of Jupiter and Saturn, we weren't allowed. And if you live in Boston, we didn't see that. Um, if you live maybe outside the city, you did, but you know that when there is a storm, uh, you don't see any suns or stars, uh, you don't see the sun or stars. And uh, Paul, what Paul did, and this is an incredibly powerful moment, but Paul, um, in verse 21, it says, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Paul said, hey, before this happened, he said, we shouldn't be doing this. Paul was a prisoner during this time. They still did it. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. 
For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as he as it was told to me. Shortly after this, Paul sits down and the, the, there's a storm. He reminds him, hey, we have not eaten. And Paul sits down and eats with him. He, he tells the guys, hey, we need to eat. And the ship was, was end up sinking and they end up floating on pieces of the ship to Malta. Um, but Paul was able to, during this storm, there's a clear difference between freaking out like Peter or, or the other disciples. I think about the first time, there's a clear difference between them being completely troubled and crying out and like a complete lack of understanding of who was in the boat to Peter understanding, oh my goodness, that's Jesus, the one who commanded the waves to stop. There's a clear difference between those two, but there's a clear difference between this man who has heard the word of God, who has believed the word of God, and who knows that God's word does not return void. If God says that this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And we have 66 books of God answering and, and granting his answering and answering promises and uh, staying true to his word. And we know that some are still to be fulfilled. Maybe even in your life, God has given you a word. Um, and my my prayer for you is that you would not grow weary in doing good and seeking God and relying on his, uh, his promises in your life, that you wouldn't allow fear to seep in. I love this, this passage in Acts because we clearly see a man who, who trusts God. And there's, when you trust God like this, there is no place for fear. Fear is just the, the absence of trust in God. And you can I was talking with my, my brother-in-law and we were discussing, is there a, are, is there a way to have a little bit of faith? And, um, you know, is there a way to have, I mean, there, is there just zero faith in Paul and during the storm? And um, I think that's a question you can bring before the Lord. I think that there are those who have, there's different levels of faith. And I think Romans 12, 3 earlier explained that, that God has granted a measurement of faith to us to each one different. However, with, with that being said, there is a clear, when one has extraordinary, what seems like extraordinary faith, they just are extraordinarily trusting in God's word. It is something that they have put in their minds. They have uh, believed in their hearts that God's word will return true. If he said it, he will do it. And I, if you are able to trust that, God will God will allow you to walk on water with him. He will calm the storms that you were in. Um, I was talking to a gentleman just yesterday who, who lost his job, uh, 12-1. He's a, a manager of a restaurant for a while, lost his job. And he said that for immediately, he said the night before, he felt like the Lord gave him a heads up, like, hey, you're going to lose your job. And when the job, when he lost, he went into work that next morning, he, sure enough, he lost his job. And uh, I said, you know, how did you feel? Because you're in a storm. Like that's the, that is, if that's not the definition of a modern day storm, I don't know what is. Uh, you know, a husband, uh, they have a home and he has to provide and he no longer has a job. And um, 
he said, you know, I, I was fearful for, uh, for a few hours. And I, rem- I re- was reminded that God not only gave me a heads up, but the God didn't change. And that I know that God cares about me and that we'll be fine. And God did provide. And this man does have a job now. And um, this guy's faith was able to supersede his circumstances. He, his faith wasn't changed by the circumstances he was in like Peter's was when Peter was walking on the water. Uh, Peter's faith was changed when he realized the circumstances changed. Peter's faith changed. Peter was no longer in the boat. If you get out the boat um, and you are walking with Jesus, your circumstances are going to change. The situations are going to change. And the waters are, are no longer being blocked out by the boat, but they will always be blocked out by Christ. Now, I don't know where you're at in your faith. Um, I don't know... Uh, what God has been speaking to you during this time. I know during COVID it's been uh, extremely hard for me, Um, but I know that Jesus, there's a reason why Jesus never commanded them to have more faith. And I believe that uh, when Jesus, when the Bible tells us to grow, uh, the Bible tells us to grow in grace and knowledge, right? It never tells us to grow. I don't know. And Pastor Steve can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know of an instance where the Bible says to grow your faith. Because that's not our job. Our job isn't to grow our faith. Our job is to grow in grace and knowledge of Lord. And if you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, your faith will grow. Because Jesus has already, he's the author and perfecter of it. He's already given you the faith that you need to follow him. And that faith is going to grow the more you trust in him, the more you rely on his word, the more you decide, no, I'm not going to believe in myself and my own well-doing, the more you turn down things because of Christ, because you know that he is still calling you to do something, or he's calling you not to do something. He's calling you not to take this job. I know that your faith will grow if you turn down a job for Jesus's name, because you uh, are, you don't feel called to that job, or you take a job that may be hard. uh, You take a job in a city that may mean you moving or Jesus calls you to be a missionary, or Jesus calls you to be a nurse, or Jesus calls you to be something, if you take that stance and hop out of the boat and walk with Jesus and keep your eyes on him and not look at your circumstances, no matter, no pandemic, no, uh, no disease, no health scare will, trouble, will shake you because Jesus will be calming the storms. And at the end of it all, you will be, uh, able to see, you will be face-to-face with your Savior, being handed crown, saying, well done, my faithful and good servant. So that is uh, my teaching this evening. I believe it may be a little short. Um, however, it has been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure to uh, to spend this with you and to share this with you. My, uh, I will close us in faith and we'll have our breakout groups. Um, but Calvary Chapel just once again, if you are if you are in the boat, get out of the boat and look at Jesus. And if you are walking on the water, my prayer is that you are not looking at your circumstances. You are not letting your circumstances overshadow or overpower what you know and uh, what you who you know, uh, and that being Jesus.